so this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Jeremiah 2.13, and I want to talk to you uh, along the lines of what Pastor Lee has been um, ministering on, which is the church, the body of Christ, the temple of God, the household of God, the household of faith. There are many things that, that the, uh, the fellowship of believers... Many things that the the Bible calls us. I want to talk about the church free of religion. And Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two evils. Both of these are evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then they've hewed out for themselves cisterns. You know, they're like jars. Jars of clay. But they're broken cisterns. That can hold no water. They've, they've hewed out their take on God. They've hewed out their way that they think it has to be. But there's a crack in it. And they go along in life. And, and, and you know, a, a shock comes along in their life. Or, or some sort of tragedy. Or, or they're just, you find themselves in depression and they reach in that jar. There's nothing there. It all leaked out. There's nothing there. God is the fountain of living waters. And so <laughs> we want to, to lay down those jars. And we've all held them at times. We've got our, maybe our doctrinal pet peeves. Or the way we think church has to, has to operate. Or the way a service is supposed to look. You notice that I made a distinction between church and the, and the church service. We can just lay down those jars and go to the fountain of living waters. He never runs dry. Anytime you go to him, he's there. In 1 Kings chapter 6, they were building the temple... I just want to point this out before we go to a couple of other places. In 1 Kings chapter 6 and in verse 7, when they were building the temple, the house, that's the temple, when it was being built, when it was in building, was built of stone made ready before it was brought to the place. You know, before it was brought in thither. So that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. Because that was a picture of a stone made without hands. A stone made without hands, without human hands. A stone hewn out by God himself. That's what it is a picture of. In, in Daniel... In the interpretation of the king's dream, this tremendous prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 and in verse 31, Thou, O king, (laughs) uh, we're talking Nebuchadnezzar here, you saw and you beheld a great image. 
In this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. His head of fine gold, breast and his arms of silver, belly and his thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet part iron, part clay. And then you, you watched it until a stone was cut out without hands. A stone made without hands. This is our Jesus. <laughs> Which smote the image upon him feet were of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, and the gold broken to pieces together, became like chaff. It just became like dust. And the wind just carried it away. I mean, that's how fine of a dust it became. All the kingdoms of this world was, was the prophecy that Daniel said, and here comes this stone cut out, made without hands, and it just completely turns it all into a fine powder which blows away. No place was found for them. The stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. His kingdom is forever. So that, is, that pictures our Jesus. And now I'd like for you to turn to 1 Peter. And it is a place we've camped out before in this series. But 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to go there again. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 4, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, valuable, rare. Ye also as lively stones, which means living stones, we, we also, just like Christ, we are called living stones, lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we are being built up. We're being edified. You know, at the word, at the English word edified, it's, Related to the English word edifice. Edifice is a building. We're being built up. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 that he that gives an interpretation of tongues or prophecy, he, he speaks unto the church edification, right? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's an example. And... Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation. He is, he is the foundation, elect, precious. And he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Some of the translations shall not be ashamed, but it doesn't mean ashamed like red-faced. It means uh, you had an expectation your, your faith was placed in something, and that faith did not come to nothing. That faith produced, it isn't so much what you believed in, but that faith produced what God said. Because what he says, that happens. What we say and decide, well, this is what I say that God is going to do, 
there's no power in our words. The power is in the word of God. When he says something, then it happens. You know, with the word of the king, it says in the Proverbs, there is power. He is king of kings. And who's going to say something against it when he says it? You know, a lot of times I think we're saying a lot of words, maybe, maybe saying a lot of words like the heathen do, hoping that something, you know, hits. When, when we speak what he says, and what we should be really doing is, what is God saying? What is he saying? Because if we can come with that, then it's his word, and it, has, it, it is effectual. It has power. It does what he says it will do. But to others, verse 8, he's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation. And this is what it's all about. A royal priesthood. There's not a priesthood of the ministers or of, you know, of the pastors or, you know, uh, that's not how he set it up. It is a kingdom of priests. It's something that he desired from the very beginning all along. And, and this is what it's all about. A holy nation, a peculiar people which doesn't mean that we're weird, some of us may be, but it, it means that we're unique. And this really comes out when you think of us as living stones, not made with hands. Unique, particular, fitted, fitted for a purpose. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the essence of what makes up that that great temple of God, which the wise master builder, that's the Lord, that he puts together. He puts it together. You know, religion would do otherwise. All right, look at Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. It's when they were building the Tower of Babel. I know I've been hearing people say, no, it should be pronounced Babel. I don't know. To me, it's the Tower of Babel. So uh, Genesis 11:3, they said one to another, go to in the King James. It's like, come on. Let's do this. Let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. It's interesting they had brick for stone. These were not unique stones made without hands. These were bricks. They were they're forced into a mold. And then they were burned. 
and made hard. And then the way that they were held together is with some other means than just touching mortar. They were held together with mortar. And we will do God our own way. That's what the builders were saying. We're going to do God our own way. We're going to make a temple that reaches to God. We're going to do it our own way. And we're going to put the put this clay into molds and they'll all be the same. And this is religion. Force you into a mold. Y'all look the same. You know. And it is the tendency. Start everybody start talking the same talk and maybe wearing the same clothes. And you're not even aware of it. And, and it's partly because we admire one another and sort of emulate one another. But we can never forget that we are not bricks forced into a mold. That we're, that we're not burned like so many have been in religion. And hurting. And hardened. But that we're unique stones made without hand, living stones, not burned and dead. <laughs> Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4. Just a little bit before Job, y'all. Nehemiah chapter 4. And in verse 2, this enemy of God's people, Sambalat, said these words. Wherefore the king said unto me, well, I got the wrong verse. I'm sorry, Nehemiah 4.2. I probably told you that. Uh, he spake before his brethren, this, this king Sambalat, and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to fortify themselves? Are they going to make themselves strong? He clearly did not understand Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Because the walls of, of Jerusalem had been broken down and those stones had been demolished and they had been scattered. And they were burned. They were dead. And he was saying, can they revive them? Can they cause... Can they cause them to live again? You know, it's like the, the question that the Lord asked Ezekiel when he showed him that valley of dry bones. Can these bones live again? And Ezekiel was like, I don't know. You, Lord, know. And the Lord revived those bones. It was bone upon bone, flesh, living you know, he brought life there. And isn't this what the church, and I'm not talking about the world now, the church is asking, 
Can these stones be revived? Can these stones live again? Been scattered, been burned, hardened. So, so broken and hurt. Can they live again? And I would like to tell you, yes, they can. And it is a work of God. He brings life. You know, revival means life again. Revival. And, and not only does he, he bring life, but he gives life more abundantly. Jesus said he came to give. And people say, oh, okay, more abundantly. It's like, you know, $1,000 in a Mercedes Benz. But it's life more abundantly. We were dead, broken, scattered, burned. And he revives us. He gives us new life. That's life more abundantly, the life of Christ. There's nothing more abundant than that. It's the Spirit of God dwelling within. You know, can we be the place, and I'm talking to us now, where these stones are made alive again? Can we love? Can we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work and not squelch it by our forms and our programs and, uh, and the way we think it has to be. But can we step outside of the mold and reach and touch one another? I'm telling you, we've been touched, haven't we? I mean, it's awesome. If you want to see a living church, and I'm not talking about one church, but if you want to see the living temple of God, the living body of Christ, just watch how the church has touched our family. It's And genuine. It's so genuine. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. And it is supernatural. Can we do this? Can we disciple, mentor one another? Can we then put one another, force one another into a mold? Please no. It is the human tendency. We like to organize, categorize, you know, uh, put names on everything. Put this on this shelf and this on this shelf. And, and program out the liberty that he, has, that he desires for us to have in the church so that we can move in the gifts that he has placed within us. When Jesus was talking with Peter, he said, Thou art Peter, but upon this rock... I will build my church. And a little Greek, I don't often go there, but a little Greek is helpful here. You are Petros. You're a little, you're just a pebble-like. And it goes. Like the water down the downspout, and those little rocks, like that. But I am Petra. 
I am, a, I am the rock on which you can stand. Upon this rock I will build my church. And to expand it, it was because Peter had suddenly had this revelation. They, they were saying, well, some say you're this. Some say you're, you know, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. And then Peter goes, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said that it is the Lord that revealed this to you. You received this by the Spirit. It was a revelation to you. And the the church is built on the foundation of Christ as he reveals himself to people. That's how he builds his church. It is through the foolishness of preaching that we put out, that doesn't build the church, but the Holy Spirit uses that to pierce the hearts of men and they have a revelation of Christ and then they become living stones. They're revived. They may have been burned. They may have been scattered. And in Ephesians chapter 2, I'm very hopeful I can complete this. Ephesians chapter 2. And in verse 19. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation. And you can build a beautiful house upon something else, just as sturdy, just as beautiful, just as carefully made as the one that is built on the rock. But the one that is on the rock is the one that will abide, that will, that will live through that storm. And there are storms. Verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Fitly framed together. Fitly. In other words, very tight. It's very tight. Very carefully done. Grows unto a holy temple of the Lord. And if you just read in verse, or chapter 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted in other words it's pressed together that's that's us that's our life as living stones in the temple of god is we're compacted we are pressed together we're not apart and separate and yet that is that is the kind of life that is being lived in our culture and has so damaged The church is so damaged what we could be. Uh, years ago, I lived in New England for a year. And I always uh, enjoyed those stone walls uh, that are between the fields. And, and I, you know, in New England, they're granite. Uh, I know in, in the UK, maybe they're granite, but uh, they call them dry stone walls in the UK. And it's because... They wanted 
they needed to till the field and the rocks were in the way. So they pick them all up and put them to the side and make themselves a field. They pick, Now listen to this. They picked them up out of the dirt. Natural stones, just as they are. They picked them up out of the dirt. Do you get me? And they take them over there, and then they carefully consider where each stone might go, where it is, where it is supported by another, where it won't fall over because things are out of balance. But just where the builder intended to put it, is that right place. It's, it, it's fit together. He doesn't have to, to beat on it. He doesn't have to take pieces off of it. He takes it out of the dirt, out of that field, and he begins to put it together. And they're built without mortar. And, you know, many of these walls are standing hundreds of years later. You know, the Incas in, in the Andes in South America... They have dry stone structures that were built like a thousand years ago and they still are completely together, full integrity. We are fitted together and we're compacted. Uh, Pastor Lee shared with me something that another person shared with him that, you know, when that stone is put in place, it's kind of, you kind of do like this with it. You kind of rub. You kind of rub. There's some rubbing there that goes on. There's some, uh, there's some polishing off that goes there. It gets us ever closer. You know, some of it is like even like scraping. And it gets us closer and closer together. And, and then we are in our proper place. Uh, Growing ever closer. You know, modern Western society is unique in really in the whole history of the world for our lack of community. It has really gone by the wayside. The days of extended families living together in one place are long gone. Uh, the tradition of, of a family trade. Uh, or business being passed from one generation to the next is is quite rare. That has gone by the... Uh, it's largely passed. And we've become increasingly mobile, you know, moving here and there. We're increasingly distracted uh, with so many things to distract us, increasingly entertained. And it's ironic that at, at a time where it is the easiest to be in touch with one another that we are the most separate, that we are the most alone, that there is more loneliness, there is more depression, there is more uh, uh, apartness than there ever has been. And it causes people to be not who God made them to be. It just... It... it, it it grips a person into a place where they where they lose their humanity, their 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 expression of of emotion and everything. It just gets it just gets bottled up. And here we are in the body of Christ with an opportunity to throw those things off, to walk in liberty, to be where God would have us to be, and that is in close fitted fitly framed together, compacted, 
by that which every joint supplieth. Which means that you have a place, you have a part to play in the tightness of that building. It is compacted by that which every joint supplieth. That's you. You know, isolation kills. You know, it's the stragglers of the flock that become prey. I think you know that. Uh, I learned, I've I've learned and many men have learned, uh, as Adam did, or at least the Lord uh, observed in Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to say a big amen to that. Um, So, you know, this notion of having a wilderness walk with the Lord Uh, you know that you know if I you know if I just I have this wilderness walk with the Lord I can do it by myself no you can't no you can't it is not the way that he put it together Um, you know and, and our mere presence coming to church services our mere presence does nothing honestly to build the body of Christ. It's not our presence. It's our ministering. We're all called upon. We're a kingdom of priests and of ministers. To minister into the body of Christ. By joints and bands having nourishment ministered. We are the joints and bands. Ministering that, that tightness. That togetherness. That's our effort to do. You know, meditating on this, I thought of chairs. You know, like having stout arms and legs and and all those pieces being very stout does nothing for the strength of that chair. Thinking of the chairs at my daughter's place. It is the tightness of the joints that makes for a chair that doesn't wobble. It's the tightness of the joints. It's the tightness of us as the body of Christ. Christians are to be so united in faith, in purpose, that there's no divisions among us. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, there be no divisions among you, it says in Corinthians. But that you all speak the same thing, that you be of the same mind, of the same judgment, the same opinion. It is not enough to simply be members of the church. We can only work together effectively when we do it in one spirit and with one mind, not with your little hobby horse. Let your conversation become as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That you stand fast in one spirit and with one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. We know that, that our walk is by grace. And then people want to say, well, what do I do? That's always the question. Nothing. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But, but now that we are filled, we do have a work of striving together. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, God does place us in the body as it has pleased him. But it is our task to accept 
his divine placement. And so you wonder, well, I see that this is where I am, but, but what is it that I'm supposed to do? And this is, a, this is a very common question. How can we know what God would have us to do? And it is a burning question in the hearts of those who love God and desire to serve him. You know, isn't it in yours? So how can we know? Uh, and I do, I sense a real anxiety in many sincere people about this question. What is my place? What am I supposed to be doing in the body of Christ? And my answer to that is, why are you waiting for a thunderous revelation from God? Are you waiting on him to lay it all out for you in advance so that you have the plan? See, he's the one that has the plan. We are to make ourselves moldable and flexible and soft to his touch so that we can be put where we need to be. So that we can be moved upon. Not deciding for him what he's going to do. But allowing him to do in us what he has already prepared for us to do. He's prepared works you know, we're his masterpiece, prepared unto good works. But before time, before you ever came along, you were prepared for what he would have you to do. You know, we have no power to bring out our gifts. And our gifts, by the way, our spiritual gifts are not our talents. I know they make you, you know, they have you take these tests. That's not spiritual gifts. Those are natural abilities. For your gifts to come out, it is God that began a good work in you and he is the one that will complete it and perfect it until Christ returns. So consider the lilies of the field. Right? They don't work. They don't go to work. They don't punch a card. They don't spin their own cloth that they're, that they're wearing. They just are lilies. Right? And as they grow, they just give glory to God. The mountains shall clap, or the trees of the field shall clap their hands, and the mountains shall, uh, I can't remember what they do. They break forth into singing. You know, you, by, by being in Christ and walking in him, what he built in you will just begin to come out. And what I'm trying to say is start ministering. Love who is in front of you. Speak the word to those who are in front of you. Serve. Do. Minister. Care. You know, rise up. And then as you step by step walk it out. He is there guiding by his spirit. That's really how it goes. And once in a while there's a Moses. And he's told what he's going to do. But he still didn't have the step-by-step. He just had this, you know, he had his shepherd stick. I'm going over time here. I'm going to stop just a sec. Uh, He had that shepherd stick. And the Lord said, what do you have in your hand? He said, well, really nothing. I'm just a poor shepherd. All I have is this stick. And the Lord, in so many words, the Lord says, give it to me. He says, throw it on the ground. You know, it becomes a snake. He picks it up. Actually, he runs from it. He picks it up, becomes a stick. And 
And the Lord shows him, I'm going to use this. This. Just just this. It's like, I have nothing. That's all right, the Lord says. I'm going to use this to free my people. To bring them out of bondage. To heal the brokenhearted. That's the call of Christ. That's who we are. Are you willing? Is it okay for you not to have the plan all laid out? Are you willing to step forward and to love for once? To minister, to give, to anoint, to care for, to cover. That's our calling. That's us as living stones in this temple of God. Living stones who have been taken out of the dirt. You would think there's nothing there. And then been placed in this perfect place. Carefully considered and then compacted together. One body, one body in Jesus' name.